Kristen. And we and are the Extra Sisters. Sisters, so sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode 129, and in this episode we are going to talk about a film from 1990 called Pacific Heights. And something really cool about horror is just something I wanted to mention real quick before we talk about this film is I had never even heard of this film, but it's got Michael Keaton and Melanie Griffith, and so it's kind of a bigger budget film. It made $44.9 at the box office. And I really like, I guess, mainstream horror, if that makes sense. This really appeals to the masses, I suppose. So you've got this big umbrella over horror. And this definitely falls into that, in my opinion, because it's more of like a psychological film. Mm -hmm, definitely. Like, like a thriller. Like this appeals to, you could take your mom to this one, for example. I mean, there is some titty, but you know, <laughs> like, but you know what I mean? No, I get your point. Like, I mean, the essential premise of this movie is just people buy a home and they have renters come in like that's it so there's nothing really bad about it and then one of the tenants turns out to be bad yeah he's exactly this is like his con is going into these homes and basically squatting because you get have squatters rights in many states and ruining these people's lives and of course you have the this you know he's terrible and these people are going crazy and you know of course he's mm -hmm. a predator but really it's a kind of a you know appeal to a lot of different types of people so i could see how this would be very successful at a box office level because you have especially because you have people like michael keaton this is like a big type of production you know mm -hmm, definitely and especially in 1990, this is actually, a lot of these films came out between the 90s and the early, very, very early 2000s. He's like, there's a bad guy and he's just kind of sneaking around. It reminded me a lot of films, like, I think this came out in the early 2000s. There's a film called Cold Creek Manor that I think I've told you about. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, where there's just like this random bad guy making your life hell and sneaking around and doing sketchy shit. Yes, definitely. I think that's why we struggle with trying to find good horror for the 90s is because we don't think about the fact that a lot of them are just you know real life things like this like it's just a bad guy yeah and and i think that it can be argued that this is horror you know like, again, definitely you have to broaden the horror umbrella super wide because you think of horror people are thinking ghosts and mm -hmm. flashers and blood and guts and saw and you know those types of things but this also ranges out into those it's just a little bit more cushiony i guess you would say but it does elicit that same response that we get the high anxiety you know the mm -hmm. oh, go 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 you know exactly exactly it's that kind of film and those are they have a place there and they're they're fun like like i said i would like i think my mom could handle this movie and she would still get like super anxious and and worked up about it definitely and she hates horror so <laughs> but so the, the film is basically, like we were saying, there is a young couple, which they don't make great decisions anyways. Let's just <laughs> they get They're this. not even that young, though. I, I calculated their ages, and I think he's like 36 or something. What? Yeah. Okay. 
yeah, the, there's no excuse then. <laughs> right? It was interesting because Brad watched this film with me and it was kind of starting out and it was like 90s and, you know, it was kind of like starting out and I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it at first. And I was like, if there's not even like sex in this movie, what do we have? Well, it opens first thing with with sex. With, I was like, oh, OK, well, <laughs> right. If nothing else in this whole movie, there's sex right at the beginning. So you can just move on from there. <laughs> and you th that's not your main characters though it starts out with basically our antagonist getting the shit beat out of him and you don't know why but then we right. have this young couple who are our protagonists our two characters here and they are buying a house but they're not just buying like a starter home okay they're buying in the 90s a $750,000 house in San Francisco I believe yes and the only way that they can make their mortgage is if they turn their bottom level into two different rental units. And they even have this debate about like, well, what if we don't rent it out? And what if we can't only rent out one and then we can't make the mortgage? Then don't fucking buy the house. Right. But it is beautiful. Like I get their problem too, because it's an old 1800s Victorian. It's gorgeous and they can actually buy it. I would probably you know sell my soul to do that as well no i totally yeah, and i and i totally get it too like when we were looking at houses recently like i'm still in my new house and we don't even have it all set up yet like it's like oh but we can be like a little house broke you know it's fine right but yeah it's an intense house man it's huge and beautiful and they also it's funny because it's interesting seeing like now we do everything on computers and online and you can't fudge numbers but they're filling out mm -hmm. <laughs> these mortgage <laughs> documents and they're like, we'll just like fudge the employment numbers a little bit or what everyone does it. Yeah, yeah. They mm -hmm. do that shit now. They look at everything with a fine tooth comb. <laughs> so, but they do end up getting the house and they do, you know, turn their bottom floor into two rental units, one a studio apartment and one just, I think it's a one bedroom or something like that. And, and they put such work into it too, like blood, sweat and tears into this place. It's gorgeous. It is, which makes this so oh, sad <laughs> yeah yeah not that it would be any like i guess it is a little bit more sad because later he go like again we kind of mentioned this is like a serial con man predator that are is our antagonist so he goes after multiple people in his not really in this movie necessarily but that's just what he does yeah and so it is sad every time but one of the people he goes after eventually is like this incredibly wealthy worth like what tens of millions of dollars 20 so. million i think it said which oh yeah. by the way i don't know if you noticed that was tippy hedron i actually noticed at the when i was kind of doing more research on the movie that she was credited and i just missed it when i was watching so yeah that's tippy hedron who is actually the mom and i didn't realize this until i did research of melanie griffith oh which is kind of cool no i didn't know that hmm. of and she's our main character protagonist yeah so mom and daughter got to do this together. That's cool. So it's a little bit more sad when you have this young broke couple starting out that just put everything into them than him going after the multimillionaire couple. Yeah. Like, not that it's good either way, but there's definitely like a level of difference there. So they rent out this, their first one to just this couple, probably a middle-aged couple. They're great. Super cute. And then we have 
them renting out the studio. And she's basically in charge of all of the renting. And so she is excited to rent to, she really wants to rent to this man that comes in to look at it. His name, I believe is Mr. Baker. He's a black man. And this is the nineties and you know, it's not, we still have a lot of work to do, but even back in the nineties, we were still behind where we are now. And he even says like, you know, he doesn't believe that he's going to get it because they're going to pass him up for a white man. And she assures him like, just bring back the application and you'll be good to go. But then Michael Keaton's character comes in and flashes his money. Yeah. Works over the husband and lies to the husband. Again, he's super manipulative. Says, oh, I already met with your wife and blah, blah, blah. Well, he never has. He's never done that. Right. And my frustration with this is this guy, literally, he flashes cash at him and the fucking guy of the relationship just goes, okay, cool, cool, cool. What pisses me off, though, is he is, like, very strict about these people have to have background checks. They have to have this information. Like, that's his role in this thing is his name is Drake. And Drake always wants to make sure that everything is in line until this guy flashes cash at him. And he goes, oh, yeah, I don't have the the traditional terms of credit and things like that. And he makes Michael Keaton makes this comment of I'm always running into this problem, basically, of how to prove that he has this money. If you are actually actually always running into this problem, then you have a solution ready available to you. You have it ready to go. So the fact that he doesn't should already be a fucking red flag. Also, if you think about it, like I know that not everybody can do this, but most work like people that are looking for homes or houses or whatever, anybody can go in flash $2,000, which is basically what he does. It's like Mm $2,000 or whatever. I mean, I can go right now and like take $2,000 and show it to you, but that doesn't mean I just have it to like throw at you. Right. Like I don't, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Right. So, but if I wanted to take it out and then put it back, yeah, I could do that, you know? Right. But Drake sees it and starts like slobbering and he's like, sure, sure, sure. We'll do whatever you want. Give me the cash now. It's gross. Exactly. And you should have just gone with the person that was going to bring the application back and have a credit. And if they only had, how fucking perfect would that be? Because we find out later that the guy they were originally going to give it to was a fucking cop. Like how safe instead of this fucking con man. He's like one of the bosses too. He's like a police chief or something. Yeah. At least a sergeant. Because later they're obviously this becomes a legal matter and she's at the station and he's like, let me go get my boss or something. Or like, you know, he comes out and she's like, Oh, he's yeah. like, yeah, but you wish you would have rented to the black man now. Huh? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they do rent to him and he moves in and she's confused. Cause he's like, I never rented to him. What about Mr. Baker? And he's like, it's fine. It's fine. And they're an okay couple. Like I wouldn't put them at the top of my list of favorite couples ever in movies. They're okay. They start out pretty good. And then like, as it goes, he definitely gets to be a little annoying and (laughs) calling because he's wrong about everything. Yeah. And so one of the things he does to her is basically like, I got this. I'm a big, strong man. Don't you worry about it. I'm handling all this. But the whole time are missteps. And yes, had they just done it like her way, <laughs> this wouldn't have happened. It's just so frustrating because like right in the beginning. So Michael Keaton doesn't even have the apartment yet. This is not legally binding at all. He hasn't paid for anything. Nothing has happened. And he's in there and she hears banging right then and there. I'd be like, 
hi, I'm sorry, you gotta leave. He's all by himself. He doesn't have any of his cronies. And this could easily be a, hey, I need you to leave. I'll talk to my husband later. She could have ushered him out and been done right fucking there. But instead, he's like, oh, I talked to your husband. And she fucking believes it. And he locks himself in. And then they're stuck. They can't get him the fuck out. Yeah, he changes the locks and he starts, you know, doing whatever he's doing. They have no idea what he's doing because they can't get in. And he starts squatting. Yep. And he is obviously like they are pretty sure doing all sorts of weird ass projects in there because he's like hammering at all hours of the night. And he's just making excuses for these wire transfers that are never going through. And the bank lost my money. The bank doesn't fucking lose wire transfers. Right. Get, come on. It right. goes from and one account to the other. Exactly. Drake even says that. Like, he goes to the bank. He's like, did it accidentally go into a different bank account? And the freaking teller's like, that doesn't, that's not how that happens, sir. Sorry. Yeah. So he's just not obviously going to ever give them money, which obviously you as the person watching are like, yeah, yeah we know. Like, right. Scammed. <laughs> but the, one of the things they're doing is checking his, or they did check his previous references but the previous reference was the woman that you saw him sleeping with at the beginning and you're not really sure how that's relative to him if it was just his girlfriend and that was their place but she's like well where is he now where's his new address so you know maybe he just skipped out on her or maybe he left her or whatever and she's going to come for him but that also comes around later because you do get more information from her about him mm-hmm he also has a very expensive car, which was one of the reasons they were like, oh, he's got money because he's got like a Porsche 911. So right. one of the reasons they're like, oh, he's got a large amount of cash on this person and he drives a Porsche and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. So all he can afford is a Porsche and a studio apartment, you know? Right. He, I'm not saying like, especially people that travel, there's no reason to buy a big fuck you house. But <laughs> right. seriously, <laughs> come on. He's shut up in the apartment now and there's no money and he's just hammering and drilling at all hours of the night. And the poor people next to him are just yeah. trying to live their life, you know, this poor couple. And so they're always going to them and, you know, the landlords and they're like, can you fucking do something about this shit, you know? And when they do, they try to go in, but they, that's when they realize that, you know, they change the locks and he's also got somebody in there with him this friend mm-hmm. that's just always there and answers the door and he's like no he's not home he's in seattle away on business or nope he's not here you missed him or whatever so you know he is they're never going to get a hold of him just ever. right never going to get their money and he also reaches out to this he said he had this trust so they're trying to reach out to this person that's in charge of his trust which that's like he has a fake name obviously so Nobody knows who this person is. Right. And they they reach out to the trust at some point because y'all realize he's a bad guy. Eventually, our, our protagonists realize that he's a bad guy. And they reach out to the trust for legal things. And the the lawyer basically cuts them off completely. And they're like, nope, we can't do anything. You can't even touch the trust, trust legally. We don't have anything to do with him. And you basically find out that his family pays him to stay the fuck away weird they're like i don't fucking want anything to do with that motherfucker (laughs) so he's not he's getting basically trust money and he's scamming people out of money yes so he's double dipping hundreds of thousands of dollars we come to find out because the the girlfriend that we saw in the beginning tells 
our main character, main actress, that she was supposed to be in on this scam with him for $200,000 and she never received the money. So he just took it and ran. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like the life, you know, (laughs) just running around with hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash, just not doing shit for it. Right. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't pay off in the end because it's a movie and it never does, but (laughs) people get away with this shit for a long time in real life, you know? I mean, he gets away with it for a long time in real life. I mean, we're jumping all around, but Melanie Griffith ends up finding his scrapbook and it shows things like when he's a kid with his brother and like in the 70s or something, he won a lawsuit as as a tenant. He did this exact scam basically to get his family their money. Like that is how they became rich. He's been doing this forever and he steals identities along the way. We end up finding out, like uh, like Amanda said, this isn't his real name. He even ends up taking on Drake's name and his passport and driver's license and all this shit. He's a, an identity thief. Which would be terrifying. Like, imagine you're just, like, going through life, da-da-da, and then you figure out somebody's using your name and all this stuff to commit crimes, like, oh major God. crimes. Especially in the 80s, 90s that he's doing this. I can't imagine how long it would take you to even figure that out. Like nowadays, we have the internet and it's ready available to watch it, and it still happens all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, what Drake is kind of, I'm not, okay, so this is hard because as a landlord, you cannot do certain things legally, and he should know the law since he decided that he was going to be a landlord. Also, moral of the story, don't think and be a landlord, I guess. <laughs> right. Like, I've had friends that would be like, you know, I think, you know, buying property, I'm like, do you really want to fucking be a landlord? Or like, you know, people that I would never have this much money or like, you know, like, that just seems like way too much stress. People ruining your property all the fucking mm-hmm. time, not paying rent or. Yes. I mean, know. we get a little tiny glimpse of it in the beginning, just as Melanie Griffith is showing the property around. There's a couple that comes in with a kid and he makes all these fucking scuffs on the wall with his toy. Now she has to paint over that and fix it. And they didn't even get the apartment. She got nothing out of that. Oh yeah. And then like later she's like, do y'all have kids? So now <laughs> right. not people with kids anymore, you know, it's mm-hmm. like. I just, God, that cannot be worth it. And then, like, also, it comes to, this is completely beside the point, but, like, moral and ethical dilemmas, like, a pandemic. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't fucking, just anyways, but... (laughs) So he cuts off his power and his water and his gas and everything. And because he did that, that, yep, that is illegal, even if he's not paying his rent. And that was Drake's whole argument. I was like, well, he's not fucking paying anything. He doesn't legally live here. And the cops are like, it doesn't fucking matter. That's illegal because squatters rights. Right. Which is so fucked. Right. Like, I, I kind I get it for people who can't make rent and they've been there for a billion years. I, I get the legality part with that, that it's unfair for you to fucking just throw them out. But then at the same time, there's people like this motherfucker that, that use the squatting rights against you. Exactly. It's too black. It doesn't leave room for any, like, gray yeah. area like that, too. You know, exactly. it's like, well, they're there, so you can't do anything. And it's like, well, what if they're, like, damaging your property for funsies? And you right. can't do anything about it. You can't have the cops come throw them out because now they're basically residing on your premises. You know, Colorado is very squatter friendly too, I believe. So it's like where we live too. Like mm-hmm. it, it could happen, you know. So I don't know. That's that's that sucks. So the cops actually, Hayes has. So his name is Carter Hayes, not really, but that's the name he's 
using. Right. He has the cops come and he knows that they're going to side with him because he's very smooth. You see this in a ton of movies with these kind of characters. You know, he tells the cops like, I mean, I may have been up too late making noise. I'm very sorry, but like I, he cut off my power and I, I think it was just a misunderstanding and Drake's fucking losing his goddamn mind. Right. But he constantly does this throughout the film. Like he is so manipulative. There's a point where the, the couple comes back from the hospital and he goes up there to, you know, quote unquote, apologize to them for being a bad tenant. But he called the fucking cops before he went up there, knowing that Drake was going to beat the shit out of him. He's so manipulative and he has, yeah, he has that situation just wrapped around his little finger. I mean, how many years has he had to perfect all of his techniques, you know? Right. Scary. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. It's super spooky because like. There's got to be people like this out there, right? Like that's terrifying. Oh yeah, absolutely. Where did they get the character from? Human nature. You know? Actually, uh, really quick, I was reading on that in my trivia. The guy who wrote the script actually had a tenant that he couldn't evict because of squatter's rights. And that's where this all came from. I don't think it went this bad, obviously, but that's where it came from. That is awful. And see, another reason where it's like, if you, I just couldn't, like, I moved into a house that was a rental, you guys. I don't know if I've told this story, I don't think. The house that I recently bought was a rental property and like it's got some damage. It's not too bad because obviously they had to like replace some of the carpet and paint and everything before we moved in. But like we have some things to do to kind of fix up some of the damage that renters left behind, which whatever it's been lived in. We found fucking cocaine (laughs) in one of the cabinets and cocaine accessories. And cocaine accessories. (laughs) There was a ton of liquor, which is, that's not that big of a deal. But like we were cleaning it out and my brother was, and my mom were here helping me move in. And my brother pulled out this little bag and he's like, I don't think this is flour in bag. (laughs) (laughs) I texted Kristen and I sent her a picture of it and I was like, it's fucking cocaine. Oh (laughs) my God. And you're not even the, the person who's renting it out. Can you imagine what your, that poor person was dealing with? With that tenant for a while, that had to have sucked. That's probably my, why none of my neighbors ever wave at me. <laughs> right? Like, you moved into some fucking shit. I don't know. <laughs> and then we got a package for, I think, I'm pretty sure I know whose cocaine it is because this fucking SoundCloud rapper shows up at my house. <laughs> so his name, I don't fucking remember what his name was, but. God, I don't, I don't fucking remember. It was super funny though. And he's like this six, three skinny, tiny little white dude with these grills in and he's wearing a monopoly hoodie and a backwards hat. And he pulls up in this tricked out like GMC Denali, but he just rented the basement of the house and that's probably his cocaine. And I was like, okay. That's fucking Um, like terrifying. (laughs) Oh my God. So, you know, landlords beware, I guess. (laughs) Right. And I, this is not a, this is not a bad part of town either. So like, um, right? It's a really nice anywhere. part of town. It it'll happen anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I had less issues with weird shit when I lived in the shitty part of town I just moved from. So, <laughs> anyways, 
back to the actual story. So he, Drake is in trouble now with the police. And so they're going to move forward to try to evict him legally. So they have to get an attorney, but keep in mind, going back to the beginning, they can only afford their mortgage if they have both units rented out, but one of their units is occupied and not paying rent. So not only do, can they not really afford their mortgage right now, they have to pay a lawyer because you have to pay retainer fees, even if you're working on a case. So typically with a lot of different types of law, you will get your money back if you win the case and, you know, because you get restitution and all that kind of stuff, but you still have to put the lawyer on retainer for right. thousands of dollars in the meantime. I mean, so they, they still to- need to be paid in the meantime. They have bills. Exactly. They have to put the lawyer on retainer. They're fucking like in financial ruin almost, or they're working their way towards it. We see as the film continues to progress, that actual financial ruin is coming. They're going to lose their home. And now they have to take him to fucking court. And it's, yeah. So, and then the lawyer is not even like super convinced that they're going to win, unfortunately, because of what he did with the electricity, well, electricity and the heat. Right. And she gets fucking pissed because he didn't tell her. He just fucking did it one night and then she goes into court and hears about it and she's like, well, thank you for helping me lose this case. Yeah. Yeah. And even before that, she was like, it's really hard to evict people once they're in. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then in the background, we also have this, you know, our sweet little couple. We find out Melanie Griffith is pregnant. So we're like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, because it should be a happy occasion, but their lives are a complete mess. So it's not. So it's like, what the fuck? Exactly. And he it's so funny when she tells him she's pregnant because she does like horseback riding lessons, basically like a camp type thing. And Mm -hmm. he goes to see her at work because he has a terrible day. He's trying to get a hold of this trust to verify this money and get this money. And so he's just like screaming at this poor receptionist trying to get a hold when she's like, we don't have a client by the name Carter Hayes. And he's like, you know, right. And he goes to see her and because he had a hard day and she's like, I'm pregnant. And he's like, congratulations <laughs> i was like well, that's your kid too but yeah but their relationship is so weird i mean he even says this oh my like they're crazy they're crazy this seven hundred fifty thousand dollar house that they just bought is the first time they've ever lived together you're insane are you fucking kidding me they've never lived together they're it seems like they're almost a newish relationship and now they have a baby on the way. I get him kind of going, uh, what do I say here? Like, is that your baby? Is that my baby? Is that our baby? <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah, you should get one of those cheap-ass little $500 studio apartments. <laughs> right. Try that out first before yeah. you sink all of your life savings and then become landlords, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. that's like hard mode for the beginning of a relationship. <laughs> You're crazy. You're on X Games mode. <laughs> Yeah. So they now, yeah, now she's pregnant. And now that they have this lawyer and the eviction case is basically thrown out initially because of Drake. So he's safe from eviction for the time being. He is sitting in his car one night and sees a roach. And so he decides to fucking start breeding them. Yep. And sends them into the other apartment. Like, how fucked up is that? This poor little couple that's in the other apartment just has roaches just streaming out from under their cabinets. Gross. Dude, it's bad. It's really bad. And they're the big ones. They're like the water bugs. Yeah. And so then the other couple moves out. And she tries to, I get it because she's desperate, but she's like, you signed a one-year lease. 
okay, I, I know that you're a <laughs> landlord and you're trying to keep your money, but with somebody banging at all hours next to them and they're a unit being infested with roaches and you can't do anything about them because they're in the other unit and you can't get into the other unit, you, you kind of have to let them out of their lease. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and that's basically what it comes down to. But they move out, and he even says, "Like I'm so sorry." They were really oh, they're sweet. so sweet. I love them. He's like, I will pay you back, but I can't pay for this, and like my wife's not sleeping, and so now they're even more into debt, and so all of this stress basically. Drake is now drinking heavily, and Patty loses her baby. She has a miscarriage. And this is when fucking this fucking bastard goes up to them. He leaves his apartment, which he never does. They never see him because obviously it would be a confrontation. So he has to plan the right time to have a confrontation. He calls the cops and tells them that he is have like there's a confrontation with him and his landlord. But there's not. You're like, mm -hmm. and you don't really know what he's saying. You just know that he's sending the police. He goes up to them after she gets home from the hospital, after she lost her baby, and wish, like goes up to offer his condolences. But then Drake just starts wailing on him. And then he gets arrested for assault. Yep. And now he can't go anywhere near Carter Hayes, which Carter Hayes is in Drake's property. But he can't even stay in the house anymore because he can't be near him. Yep. He's got a restraining order. So he can't go to his own home and he can't evict this guy and he's going to lose his home because they're going to go into foreclosure if they don't start paying. And now Hayes is going to file a civil lawsuit against him and assume control of pretty much everything. Not only, so you kind of are figuring out that like, does he want, does he just take possession of all of these properties? Like, does he like, and then sell them for money? Cause like, as the viewer, you're like, okay, what is the end game here? Right. But he takes possession of all of their shit and their identity. Yes. And now poor Melanie Griffith has to stay at the house by herself because it, like, you can't just cede the property to him completely. Like, first of all, there's pride. I would not fucking do that shit. Also, I don't know what legal things he has in mind. If I do leave forever, can I come back? So, yeah, I would have to stay there. And she's all by herself in this apartment with this, you know, crazy maniac downstairs, terrified. And I, I, I get she wants to call Drake because she wants comfort because she's all alone and it's scary. But in doing that, she causes him to then be fearful for her. And he comes over to the house to see her to make sure she's okay. And Carter Hayes comes out and shoots him because he can't be there. So, and legally he's, that's fine. Right. And he even says, like, he called him, like I said, he's either stupid or brave man or something. And so now Drake is shot. He only does, like, flesh wound. He doesn't ever want to kill him because, you know, that's, that's murder. Level, yeah. you know. But he wounds him. And then that's when Patty, or Melanie Griffith's character, goes to the cop and is talking to them at the station and that's when she sees the man that she was originally going to rent to and he's like bet you would uh wish you rented to the black man and it's like yeah no fucking kidding right but she does yeah. make a comment she's like we never received your application and we actually saw that scene in the beginning when our middle-aged couple is moving in 
all of their relatives are helping them move in and somebody saw his application just laying there and they stuffed it in a box and then it just disappeared. So unfortunately he did drop his application off and this all could have been avoided. So sad. Yeah. And he doesn't believe her that they never got his application. They just, he just thinks they're racist. Yeah. But now basically the cops are just saying, you know, just be careful and, you know, and they're getting caught up on like everything going on. And obviously, you know, you can't evict him, but just, you know, be careful basically. But then the eviction does finally go through and we can get Carter Hayes the fuck out of there and we can finally get into the apartment and see what he has done. And the damage is so sad. Melanie Griffith is all by herself because, you know, her her boyfriend is still in the hospital and she's just seeing all this love and time and care that she put into this room and it's just destroyed everything is out like he took all the copper piping they had these cabinets on the wall those are fucking gone the floor has been ripped up everything is trashed the toilet's gone yeah like it's literally what happens and like so my husband's dad is a contractor and he does like some foreclosure type things and they'll go in and when people know they're getting foreclosed on or evicted they will take everything that they can sell and it's just that type of situation but like usually they don't take the floors and stuff but he literally did it just for like insult just for fun just for funsies the light fixtures Mm -hmm. he's gonna get what like not much for those light fixtures but he did it for yeah you know pain and suffering yeah so now that they are have him evicted she finds this photo on the ground and that's when we see the picture of him and it says James Danforth on the back and that's his real name and then she calls the attorney that they've been trying to call to figure out who he is but of course they never had a client by that name and they he tells her that Danforth is basically a shitty ass person who's been disowned by his family that you can't touch you can't do anything to him yeah And then she decides it's kind of like every final girl in like all these supernatural movies or whatever you see when they're like, I'm going to fucking fuck with this ghost or whatever. I love her. It's like, it's like her revenge sequence of the film and it's so good. This is the best part. Yeah. So she goes to his last known address and she talks to Anne, who was his girlfriend. And that's when we, you know, find out a little bit more about her and basically says, you're never going to touch him. And I'm like, she's still like infatuated with him and thinks he's just like a god. And Melanie Griffith does such a good job of just shutting up. Like she lets people talk themselves into these scenarios. Like she shuts up and Michael Keaton's girlfriend is actually Beverly D'Angelo from like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and stuff. So she just starts talking because she's still infatuated with Carter Hayes and she just starts going about how, you know, I, I know you like him. I saw it. I saw it the first time I saw you. And Melanie Griffith just shuts up and lets her just go. It's great. Yeah. I mean, let people talk themselves into mm-hmm. like, just just step back and let people like not even just for like these kind of situations, but just like as a life thing if you're fighting with someone or like think you caught someone doing something or like somebody cheating, just let them continue to talk. Just right. So- talk themselves into it they'll just keep digging and digging digging. (laughs) incriminate themselves yeah exactly yep so Anne tells patty that carter hayes is the name of the property's former landlord and that they assume i that he assumes identities and so that's kind of when you know she's like "Mm, mm, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she goes, oh, and he sent me a postcard. He didn't because she goes, yeah, he left you here. And, you know, Beverly D'Angelo is like, he didn't leave me. And she gives a postcard. of This is what he sent for me. And now she has a fucking address of where Carter Hayes is, which is great. Yep. So going to go to this hotel now that he's at. And it's like a, a Marriott hotel. Doesn't really matter. But I remember it's like a nice hotel. Yeah. Next- city and patty goes to track him down and he's checked in she first says danforth and that's not a thing so she remembers that he was stealing identities so she checks under her boyfriend's name drake and he's checked in under drake's name and she basically gets into his room by saying oh my husband locked me out and this is my name and this is my last name and this is my husband's name and housekeeping looks at her list and that's on the list and so lets her in and he's she starts going through all of his shit and at first i was like don't destroy his room don't let him know you were there but then she just like starts making sure he knows that yes and i was like okay well you know but i for me i was like well i don't know he's pretty dangerous you know like right and in between this she actually waited in the lobby of the hotel to figure out what room drake was in which was really smart also and then he leaves and she goes and she follows him to this new lady this is tippy hedron's mansion is where where she follows him and he goes on a boat on a yacht with this lady and she basically sees that this is what he's trying to do he's trying to take her money because when we go back to the hotel room she finds the financial records of florence which is the lady that he's trying to marry or whatever the hell he's trying to do with her to get her money so you know this is the next one he's trying to con the one worth $22 million. Yeah. The, Which, this, this is the big fish. Exactly. Like, that seems to be the way you want to go. Stop with property crime. Like, that's the way you go. She's also, like, pretty elderly. Yeah, she's older. I mean, I'm sure you could just marry her and then, like, off her and get all of her money. That's the way to do it, right? Crazy. You get her giant fucking mansion, like, estate. Her right. Yacht. Oh, yeah. Like hell yeah so she's in his room and she sees all of these documents and she sees all these legal and financial documents in drake's name so she calls drake and tells him to cancel all of his credit cards and freeze their joint bank account so then she calls room service and she places it she's like i we're gonna have people uh, you know i want like 18 steaks and like you know creme brulees and i want wine and champagne for every single person on the floor because it's our anniversary to make sure that he gets they try to run his card so that yes yeah, so he can get yep. caught it was so smart she does a really good job yeah, she does it was so smart i was like is she just doing that to like charge him a bunch of money but no it's because when the hotel runs your card for that much money and it gets declined and it gets reported as stolen too you get busted they don't want you leave exactly yeah they have a little panic button they hit when you walk in the door (laughs) so he is uh basically arrested at this point because of her but the wealthy widow miss florence bails him out of prison yeah he gives her the sob story on how much he loves her and he's just so embarrassed and he didn't do it and it's like lady don't believe him he's doing a good job of vetting her you know like yes yes working her over love bombing her all that stuff that abusers do 
So once out on bail, guess where he goes? He goes back to San Francisco. And Drake is all laid up because he got shot and he's, you know, not doing great. And he breaks into their house. And even the cops tell them not to fuck with this guy. Don't go after him. He's dangerous. All this stuff. What's weird to me is that they know that he's arrested and that she was involved. And when he made it out on bail, someone should have given them protection, in my opinion, or let them know. Fair. I also think, look at the fact that what the fuck, Melanie Griffith is just like going about her day and she's like trying to fix up the apartment that Carter Hayes fucked up. And I'm sitting there like, you're insane. You realize he's coming for you, right? You realize everybody keeps telling you he can't be touched. He's going to be out of there in fucking no time and he is coming for you. Don't fucking stay there. What are you doing? Exactly. Like if I had done that to a dangerous man, I would be like, I want witness protection or like relocation or something like I don't want to be here because where is he going to go first? As soon as he gets out, he's going to come for you because he's mad. You just ruined his whole basically livelihood. And embarrassed him. And you know how it is when men get embarrassed. Especially narcissistic, like criminal exactly like, you know what i mean like yeah it, it's yeah yeah he's a different ball game too so he goes and he bludgeons drake with a golf club now he doesn't kill him but he fucks him up real good and then he goes downstairs to patty and they start basically fighting and she has this nail gun that she's been using and it keeps failing basically when she's using it before he comes in and they start fighting and he tries to basically fucking take the nail gun between her fucking eyes but it fails so he's trying to kill her it's it's not yes. like a, i'm trying to hurt you badly to send a message he's gonna fucking kill her he doesn't give a fuck he's not just a you know white collar criminal with money he's he wants to murder her <laughs> right but i find it interesting that he had drake right there he could have fucking killed him with that go- that golf club but he's not going to. He's going to kill the little woman. Fuck you. Well, she's the one that embarrassed him, you know. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. She's the one that came after him and did all that. And was so he's like, you know, Drake is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an idiot. And he like came after me and did a bunch of stupid stuff. But she is the one that was smart enough to actually get me caught. So she has to die. Now, he probably would have gone back and killed Drake before he left, you know that's true but like he's not gonna leave but also they would have known who killed him but he probably would have disappeared by then so yeah i'm sure because you see when she's in his hotel room that he has made passports with drake drake's name and stuff and there's multiple folders in there like that so he probably just taken another alias and moved on gone yeah but there is a crawl space between the basement and the first floor apartment and drake actually basically trips him and he loses his balance and he falls backwards on these pipes that are sticking up through the ground and gets impaled. That he fucking cut. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It's awesome. So he dies. And that's basically how that ends. And then later, Patty and Drake put their brand new building up for sale. And it's beautiful. And they fix it up wonderfully. And they show the property to another couple. And the couple, you know, they're like, maybe we can make an offer for $850,000, which is more than $100,000 more than what Drake and Patty had paid for it. And they're like, why are you selling it? Looks like you put your heart into this. And she's like, no, it was just an investment. 
Right. Which this whole time we've been hearing about how this is our home. This is our home. This is our home. And it has definitely not. It has changed now. Yeah. They don't want to fucking. I wouldn't want to be there either, which is so sad because it was a beautiful home. But. Well, they're still stuck in the, well, we need more tenants. Would you ever rent to anybody ever again after that? No. Ever. Never, Absolutely ever. Absolutely not. No. I would buy a small, affordable house that I would never have to talk to anybody ever again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, like, there was a lot. There was quite a bit of tension in this film, like I mentioned in the beginning. Because you're, you know, having to... You're getting manipulated constantly by this character and you're angry at the, you know, because you know that the cops and everyone, he's making all these underhanded plays. And it's very similar to, you know, those types of movies that you've seen before. So, I mean, it's a pretty solid film. Why did this make it onto the schedule? This is one of my, like, not favorites of all time, but I love this movie. I love Pacific Heights and I thought you might like it. So I just really wanted to talk about it. Got it. Okay. I hadn't really ever heard of this film. So, I mean, I thought it was pretty solid. Like I, you know, like I said, it's one of those that you can, it's like a soft horror, I guess would be a good word for Mm -hmm. it, you know, and they do say it is a psychological horror film, but it's not really bloody. I mean, he does get impaled, but it's not like it's, he's wriggling around and his insides are falling out. It's actually very minimally bloody. Right. But it definitely keeps you on the edge of your seat with some things like like when, you know, Drake comes in the house and you're like, get the fuck out. What are you doing? And then he gets shot. Like you're you're there for that stuff. Or when he's got the nail gun and he's going after Melanie Griffith and you're like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. There there are some points that are very horror. Definitely. And that's what it's really not like cool about just the whole umbrella of this genre. And I'm not saying like drama and romance don't have broad spectrums but i feel like this one's even (laughs) more so in a lot of cases because you can do so much with it yeah i agree that's what i love about horror is that it can be anything you really want it to be and i it's interesting because this has like not a ton of reviews like on rotten tomatoes so if you look at the critic response it's about 50 percent, but it's only got 26 critic reviews and a 46% audience rating with about 5,000-ish. So it's kind of one of those films that even though it did pretty well in the 90s, it kind of, after I feel like it came out, slipped under the radar a little bit. Mm-hmm, definitely. I mean, the only way I had ever heard about this is, as I've mentioned in the past, Bravo's scariest movie moments like that I love. That's where I first heard about it. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, I love this movie. This is great. Yeah, no, it was pretty solid. It's a pretty good time. And Brad watched it with me too, and it kept his attention. And we all know how he feels about horror in general. (laughs) Right. You know, I did really enjoy this movie. And I would say as like a general film, I definitely think it's stronger than a three. So I definitely think it's better than middle of the road. And I think going to a four, it hangs out somewhere between like a better than a three, somewhere around a four or somewhere like maybe, maybe not quite as strong as like a solid four, but like almost right there at a four, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I don't think it's middle of the road to be a three. And I've told you, I I really like this movie. I've seen this, I don't know, four or five times now. It's one I usually put on every year-ish and definitely a solid four for me. I like this movie. It's pretty good. 
As always, thank you so much for hanging out with us for this review of Pacific Heights. You can follow us, of course, on all of our social medias. Everything is the Extra Sisters podcast, except for Twitter, which is at the Extra Sisters. If you would like to join our Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters podcast. We have a $1 a month tier and a $5 a month tier. Both of those, of course, get you extra content and special little things from us every now and then. So you can head on over there and join our little Patreon family. And next time, five women are stalked while preparing for Valentine's Day. Till then, stay creepy. Stay creepy.